0: And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Missiologist Neil Cole, in his book Organic Church, said this, Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing its disciples. Your church is only as good as her disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, your preaching, your programs, or your property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumeristic, and not radically obedient, your church is not good. That's pretty intense. You guys believe that? I I believe that. And that's the the stuff that we've been talking about. Dallas Willard, probably my my second biggest influence in the faith, outside of, of, you know, we're not talking about Jesus or any of the, the saints of the Old or New Testament. Dallas Willard, probably my second biggest influence. He was once at this dinner with several church leaders, and they asked, why don't we have more movement In the West, we see churches growing in the global South. We see uh, further East, just these radical movements of Christianity in which churches are just growing like crazy. Why is it that in Europe and in North America, the West, why is it that we're not seeing this? And Dallas Willard says this, every church needs to answer two questions. What is our plan for discipleship? And is our plan working? Only two questions what is our plan? Do we have something implemented for making disciples? And are we constantly evaluating and not our Sunday morning numbers and not all the people that we had at this particular event, but are we constantly evaluating the disciple making process in our church? We are in the third week of our 2023 vision series, A Mess Worth Making, and we are discussing three messy shifts that will take place in 2023 as we look forward to the future. Some of this material we've already started to talk about. We did a vision series on multiplication last year, and we started to get the ball rolling with that stuff. But here's what these three messy shifts are, just to give you a little bit of a, a, little bit of a review from last week. What we talked about last week was shift number one, and that was creating within our church this idea from a home church. This is my home church. This is my church family to a sending station or the idea of multiplying disciples and sending people out to plant in different places, not focusing on building the empire or the one big church. Focus number two, which we're going to talk about today, is from church attenders to disciple makers. So what takes a person from simply going to a church, that being their church family, taking part in programs, taking part in a lot of things that do happen to be very, very important. Should have tightened this up a little bit. That tend to be very important. But what takes us from actually making boots on the ground disciples? And then next week, what we're going to be talking about, probably the most common question that I get as a pastor is, how do I learn my spiritual gifting? Why is it that I'm here? What is it that I'm good at? How is it that I can implement the things that I believe that God has given me into the local church or into the community? How is it that I recognize my spiritual gifting? So we're going to talk about going from the idea of just volunteering in the church to the actual idea Of of spiritual gifting. So, this question becomes as we talk about shift two number uh, today why do we exist? Every person that's within this church right now should ask this not only about our church, but capital C, churches around the world why do we exist? There's only one answer, and it may not be the answer that you expected. We exist to make disciples. That is why we're here. The Great Commission. We exist. To make disciples. Everything else, and some things are very important, but everything else is window dressing. When we're talking about the importance of making disciples, our mission at Believer's Church is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Okay, Um, Since I've been here, this has been the mission statement since day one, to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Well, what is a devoted follower of Jesus? A devoted follower follower of Jesus is a disciple. So this is our focus and this is where we have to be. So I'm going to share with you why this often doesn't happen. Because some of you grew up in other churches, you've at least spent a little bit of time in other churches. Maybe you're kind of new to church and you've never really heard much emphasis on discipleship. You've heard a little bit about it because it's a pastor's responsibility to at least mention it a few times a year, but you've not necessarily I mean there are people in here who have been Christians 30, 40, 50 years. You know more of the Bible than I do. You you can just if we were to have a quiz, you could answer every single question, but the truth is As an individual, you are never discipled. No one ever walked through a process with you as a new believer over the course of six months to a year, 18 months, and really taught you what it means to follow Jesus. So why is it that this is foreign language to us in the West? Why is it that we failed at this? Number one, it's easier to put together church services than to do life with people. It's just easier. All right. So, So we have this Wednesday call. And it's a really productive, really, really good call. There's no question that me and the tech guys and the band guys. Uh, we have created a really, really strong brotherhood as a result of these calls, and the responsibility of this call that lasts one hour is to make sure, I I plan sermons way out in advance, they do the set list way out in advance, we just try to make sure that whenever we come in on Sundays, all ducks are in a row, we know what we're doing, we believe in preparation, we believe that's very, very important, so that whenever we get up here, we're able to receive the Spirit and not just think, oh, we got to worry about this, or we got to worry about that. Okay, but that only takes about an hour a week and that's something in 21st century america that we feel like we can give to god like we can give that amount of time but through the week rearranging our lives no way that's not going to happen number two the reason that we're failing at this is we don't disciple other people because we weren't discipled ourselves Nobody discipled us. So you're in here and you're like, I would like to be discipled. I would like to know what it looks like to actually be a disciple. I went to training union. I was part of a small group. I've done some of these things, but the real ingrained nature of what it means to create a follower of Jesus has to be something that is much, much deeper than this. And I would venture to say that 75% of us are more in the room. We didn't have that experience whenever we were a little bit younger. This is how we do it. Okay, you got saved, you filled out your card for church membership, you got baptized, do your best. We got to keep growing the numbers in this room. That's false. There's a problem with that. We've got to make disciples of Jesus that are resilient, that are willing to go forward, that are willing to live this life no matter what the cost. And then third, closely associated with the first, discipleship is a regular activity, not a Sunday activity, meaning that we don't make time. Right, we just don't make time. Throughout our lives, you've got our our lives, you've got Netflix, you've got social media, you've got your kids events, you've got your extracurricular activities. You've got all these things and the very basic thing that Jesus said every follower should be doing, the one thing. All right? How do we mess up the one thing? How is it that we get the 10 things that are kind of important, but then we miss the one thing? And some of you are saying, "Well, I've never heard it said like this. Shame on your pastor." If it's never been shared in this way, because this is a responsibility that every... I don't even know what else there is if we're not creating followers of Jesus. Okay, so that's something that's important to us. Now, you're going to love this. All right, this is my third biggest influence. You're wondering, my first is John Wesley. All right, Wesley, Dallas, Willard, got to put Pete Scazzaro third. All right, so this is what he says in a book that the the three guys that I'm going through this with this year, uh, Jeremy, Ezekiel, Eli, there's this book we're reading, and I want you to think about this. This is how we define success the wrong way. So what he's suggesting with discipleship and with the church, we have been defining success, and we have measurements, and we have metrics, but we've been defining it the wrong way. This is what he says. This is great. When we define success wrongly, it means that the best energies that we have will be invested in things such as cutting-edge weekend services, cultivating our brand, and preparing captivating messages. Little is left over for discipleship, our own or that of others, especially whenever it produces what is such a small and slow return. And listen, I'm just, it does produce a really small, not a small, but a very slow return, meaning that if we get together on a Sunday morning and the Spirit is active and worship is here, it is absolutely wonderful, but that's something that we can feel in the moment. But when you're trying to take time out of a busy schedule to meet with a man or to meet with a woman for the purpose of discipleship, it doesn't happen overnight. It's like a really, really slow thing. Jesus spent 18 months and then more time with the disciples, and, just in this, and they were all at different places in where they were receiving him or, or, or not wanting to receive him. So this is just something that we don't make time to do. So this is what he says we do then. So we do the next best thing. We should never settle for the next best thing. But he says we do the next best thing. We standardize discipleship, and we make it scalable. Our approach resembles more of a conveyor belt in a manufacturing plant than the kind of messy, notice the word messy, relational discipleship that Jesus modeled. So we're missing it. We're missing it completely and we're just going and having church and we're wondering why millennials and Gen Z and everyone else is completely disconnected from the body. It's because we're missing the purpose of discipleship. Uh, Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. You have read this passage, or you have have went through this passage. You've heard this passage preached a zillion times. It's a very, very simple passage should be. A very, very simple passage, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. And it sounds wonderful to hear those pages turn, just so you guys know. I know more, of, more and more of you are bringing your Bibles to church. Again, you can use your phone, you can look up on the screens, but there's just something about having this in your hand. It's a wonderful thing. I want to encourage you guys to do that. And if you don't have a Bible, make sure that you stop by guest services today, and we'll make sure that you get one. So this is what the passage says. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, we usually just refer to him as Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I will show you how to fish for people. What does that mean? Right away, they left their nets and they followed him. Again, I know you've heard this a million times, but what we're going to do is we're going to get a very close look at this today, all right? I feel like there are two important forms of instruction that are going on here that we need to spend the rest of our time talking about today. The first is this, okay? Come and follow me. That's the first. Okay, number two is I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Come and follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. It's that simple. Okay, and that's where we're going to be. Come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Following Jesus is the command. That's the command given to every single believer that's ever existed. Learning how to fish for people is the lesson. Okay? Following Jesus is the command. Learning how to fish for people is the lesson. So believers that are in here today, we must live our lives following the command and practicing the lesson. i say that one more time. We must live our lives following the command and practicing the lesson. So let's look at both of these. First, the command. Okay, come and follow me is the command. Come and follow me. As a church, our core values have molded what I would call a holistic discipleship model for following Jesus. So what we're going to do as a refresher, and especially for those of you that are new, is we're going to go through each one of these and look at them for just a second. So the first is formation or spiritual formation. And what this means is to become students of Jesus. As most of you know, twice a year, We have a practice in the spring, and then we have another practice in the fall in which we teach you a spiritual discipline that Jesus practiced. Scripture reading, prayer, fasting, giving, serving. There there are tons of these. Okay, we've done a lot of them in the past. Soon, we're going to do worship, very soon, in in late February, and then in the fall, we're going to do submission. So what we do is we take two practices and we start to implement these into our lives as a way of life. The second core value is community. And this means to follow Jesus together. At Believer's Church, we try to fulfill the biblical model of communal body of Christ identity instead of individualized spirituality on our own, which does not work. In the Christian sense, I mean, I get it. You've got your own quiet time. You've got your own Bible study. You've got your own time of prayer. But iron sharpens iron, and we all need community. Okay? Now, the biggest way that we do this, among other ways, is through our community groups. Just to let you guys know, February the 19th, we have our group's orientation. You'll start to see that in announcements very soon. It'll be talked about more. So spring uh, groups are right around the corner. I recommend very highly that you join a group. The third core value is servanthood. And this means to love others like Jesus. We believe our faith must be placed into practice and we must actively work with the marginalized, the outsider, and people who are in a place of struggle. Thus, the ministries that we do in this church, such as Neighborhood Nights, the Lunchroom Project, Hope Bags for the Homeless, uh, the annual Backpack Event, the Back to School Event, the Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief, and much more. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about Sunday morning uh, serving. We're talking about kind of in an outreach sense, serving outside of the church, the broken and the hurting, which falls into line with our mission statement. And then, of course, fourth, we have multiplication. And this is to increase the Jesus following movement. This is actually what we've been talking about more and more and more than any of the others. So how do we take formation? How do we take community? How do we take servanthood, which is obviously the model of Jesus, and start to multiply those in the lives of other people? We do this through the process of making disciples. So everything that we've talked about so far has been on a a collective basis. This has been for our church. But what we're actually talking about today, when Jesus says, come and follow me, is on an individual basis, as an individual disciple maker. This is for everyone. Now listen, I know some of you are like me, and you'll talk to anybody, and you feel comfortable, you know, sharing Jesus with anybody, and you get into a conversation that all of a sudden you you had nothing to do with Jesus and turns into Jesus. But I know others of you in here are introverts. Others of you in here struggle with social anxiety. Others of you in here are just very, very different. So I don't know exactly what this looks like for you coming from a person that never shuts up can i get an amen i wanted to wait and see who said that so i could judge you later but but anyway so i'm very comfortable with talking to people i'm very enthusiastic about making disciples but for other people it's a little bit more tricky and it's a little bit more difficult to figure this out but we will walk you through this and i'll share that in just a little while so jesus finds these two average guys peter and andrew Poor, uneducated fishermen that are going to turn the world upside down. And he says, come and follow me. A common interpretation of follow is to accompany or to come alongside of someone. Like a friend. To accompany or to come alongside of someone. Now this fits perfectly with Jesus' ministry as he begins as an adult to walk as a rabbi. So essentially, this is what he is saying. This is what he's saying to these 12 and eventually other male and female disciples that are following Jesus. This is what he's saying. Just spend some time with me. Spend some time with me. There's no pressure whatsoever. Listen to what I have to say. You know what I'm going to do? You're struggling with depression, you're struggling with unhappiness, you feel fear, you feel isolated. I want to show you a different way of life. You may ultimately reject it, but if you'll spend some time with me, we call this person a person of peace that is willing to be discipled. Let me show you a different way. I I, I know this is how you feel politically. I I know you have a lot of doubts about this this piece of scripture. I know that you feel this way, but just be patient. Take it slow. Ask some questions. Let's spend some time together. And the disciple maker makes a habit out of this as a lifestyle. So the expectation is that we learn this life. Every single person in here, don't care if you're 75 years old, if you're 100 years old, if you're you're 13 or 14 years old, if you've already been discipled, this is the expectation of every single person in here. Learn this life and strategically teach it to others. Learn what it means to follow Jesus. Learn the kingdom way, which is foreign to some of you. It sounds like a different language. And then you teach others how to do the same thing. Is it possible that we've had it wrong for so long? So that was the command. All right, now here's the lesson. The lesson is this. This is what we practice. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. Okay, so the first part is we start to follow Jesus, and we learn that. Okay, but this is the part that we often miss. A lot of people miss the first part, but almost everyone misses the second part. And listen, that is really, really scary because you have to take into consideration that we had a Christian uh, West for a very long period of time, and now we don't. We said last week that we live in a post-Christian world. They're not going to just continue to come here in large numbers, so we have to learn to fish for people. All right, so what's going on here? Because a lot of people don't even understand what this means because, because we don't talk about it. Like, like, how do you fish for people? Fishing for people essentially means this, that we are going to grow the kingdom of God by making disciples ourselves. So what is your number one lesson? You know, take Justin Grindstaff. Learn all my chords for this weekend. No. Create followers of Jesus. You know, Elaine Gilbert, what's your, what's your function at this church? What is your, your number one call? Well, to make sure I've got everybody scheduled for first impression. Yeah, that's important. But grow others and show other people how to follow Jesus. Otherwise, we are just fitting into a corporate American system and missing the gospel. It's missed. And we feel good about ourselves. We pat ourselves on the back and we say, oh, we had Church oh, that was wonderful. The worship was great. Uh, uh, Pastor Matt did a good job. This was great. That was great. And we're missing the reason that we're supposed to be here. So I want to offer an important tool. This is a tool for you guys that you can use. If you guys will pull up the next slide. And I have a feeling it's going to be incredibly difficult to see, but I wanted to pull the entire thing up. Some of you have seen this because we've started to walk you through it. I know this is hard to see, and I'm not going to read it all, but this is what I'm going to, going to challenge you to do. Number one, I call this the discipleship grid. Number one, you can grab one of these at guest services whenever you leave today. And then number two, um, I'm going to do a workshop on February the 5th. So if you decide on February the 5th, I'm, I'm not going to advertise it. It's not going to be on social media. You just need to let me know I'm going to be here on February the 6th at, 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 or February the 5th at 6 o'clock or you can send me a message, you can text me, you can do anything like that that you want, and you can let me know that you're going to be here. So I'm going to show you a few things up here. This first column where you see different colors, it says task. There are four tasks for the disciple maker. Number one, cultivate life-giving relationships. And what this means is that you are simply building a deep friendship with someone that you're discipling. What you're seeking as far as a person that you are discipling is what we call a person of peace. And all that means is someone that says they are willing to be discipled. So you approach somebody, are you interested in this? I'm not far enough along. I don't have the time to commit to that. I'm not sure I believe some of these things. Okay, that's not what you would call a person of peace. A person of peace, I don't care what they look like. If they've been in church 30 years, if they don't have a clue about church, everybody starts somewhere. So a person of peace is someone that just says, sure, I'd like to make a commitment to this. I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. I think this is willing to make the time to it. So you're cultivating life-giving relationships. You get two to three people in your life. Maybe one is how some of you would start out. Uh, You maybe have some things in common. You talk about family struggles. You talk about things that are going on in your life. And you're really building a relationship. Number two says that you're teaching others to pray and love the word. This starts to come just a little bit later, depending on where the person is. But what you're doing is you're starting, to, you're starting to build in some of those spiritual disciplines so that when everything in your life is falling apart, you have that rock and you have that shelter in the storm. You're starting to build the foundational things in people as you go throughout this year or this 18 months. Number three, equip and help develop spiritual gifts. Okay, like I said, the most common question that I hear from people, we're going to have a series later in the year on spiritual gifts. Our groups are going to do some things with a spiritual gifts assessment. We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts a lot this year, to so equip and help people develop their spiritual gifts. And then number four says, instill the importance of being sent. What that means is that you're not just making two or three disciples, you are making disciples that make disciples. It does not stop with them. It does not stop there. You are making people. That is the goal in mind as you start out. So just imagine we were talking about the senior leadership team the other night if the two to three people that we have if just one of them for each of us makes the decision to make other disciples what this looks like in our community. This area over here says actions just says you meet consistently twice a month and then the last one is the goal. So if you decide that you want to grab one of these it's very important but ultimately what you're seeking is you're cultivating life giving relationships, teaching others to pray and love the word, equipping and helping people develop their spiritual gifts, and you're instilling the importance of being sent. So there are some people in here, and this is kind of what I'm looking at for this workshop, and also what I'm looking at if you want to reach out to me or another leader in the church. Some of you in here are like, man, I've been waiting for this, but I don't know how to make disciples. I've been studying the Word for years. I would love to be able to make disciples, um, so I really want to dig into this. There are others of you in here, and you're just like, I need to learn more. Like, I don't feel like I'm very far along. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years and you would say, nobody has ever discipled me. Like, nobody has ever really walked this path with me. That's when we would want to connect you with someone that is a disciple maker. Okay, this is not an authority over your life. This is not someone trying to tell you what to do. This is someone is they're also learning, trying to walk deeper into a relationship with Jesus for you. And let me just say again, this is not optional. It's just not. I mean, I'm not saying you have to follow Matt's little discipleship grid, but I'm saying making disciples is not optional. We are failing if this is not something that we are doing. So our leaders have began this process, all of our senior leadership team, as well as our elders, we all have two to three people. And I want you to tell, to tell you something about me as a pastor. Before we get into any kind of the communication stuff in our church, the things that you talk about in a meeting, the things that are important that you need to communicate whenever you get together, you can ask any of these people. The first thing that we do in our meetings is we open up with Scripture. And the next thing that we're doing now is we go through our discipleship grid because it's been made clear to them if you are not making disciples, you will not be on this team. I don't care about your gifting. I don't care about your voice. I don't care about your talent with kids, your talent with teenagers, anything like that. If we are going to replicate a culture of discipleship, we have to have disciple makers. And that's where we have to be. So that's how serious we are about this. I want you to think about something. And I want you to think about this with an open mind. Okay, so for just a second, if everything that i said has, has sounded crazy, I want you to think about something with an open mind for just a second. Some of you have been in church your whole life, and you're older than me. All right, you've been in church your entire life. There are other people in here that have been in church for a pretty good period of time in their life, and you feel like you understand what church is supposed to look like. You feel like you got a pretty good grasp on that, if, that, if that's maybe Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. You do this through the meeting. These women get together through the week. These guys get together through the week. All of these things. I'm, I'm going to challenge your thinking. All right, I'm going to challenge your thinking, so please just hear me out with this, even if you never come back. In the Gospels, we have very little evidence of Jesus planning worship services or special events very little evidence. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm not saying Jesus didn't speak in the synagogue. I'm not saying Jesus didn't speak to the large crowds outside of the synagogue, but we have very little evidence of that. On the other hand, we have tons of evidence that Jesus spent intentional time with people teaching them about the kingdom of God. Beyond the 12, there were other male and female disciples. So what if what if you have spent the majority of your life missing what the Christian faith is actually supposed to be about? What if we've missed that? I know that there are influential pastors, worship teams, you know, you're like me. You have podcasts that you listen to, some of you. You have you have. Bands that you listen to, you have these things in your life that you listen to, and often we consider these to be the authoritative voices. But what if some of them are mismanaging their priorities, and as a result of their influence on our lives, we are mismanaging our priorities. Neil Cole, one more time. Ultimately, each church will be evaluated before God by only one thing. It's disciples. Your church is only as good as her disciples. Because the the, the disciples are the ones that do the justice work. The disciples are the ones that love the community. The disciples that are the one that fully that understand the mission of Jesus that do the work. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumeristic, and not radically obedient, your church is not good. So what I want to challenge you with is we're closing today. Number one, on your way out, I hope we have enough. We may not. If you want to stop by guest services, just grab a discipleship grid. You may may be a great disciple maker, and you may already have your own way of doing this. So if you do, that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying that this is the best way to do it. it. It may not even be, but based on what you're doing, a wonderful way to do it. But I think for beginners who want to be discipled, or who desire to disciple others and fulfill the great commission, I just think it's a decent place to start. So I would like to encourage you to grab one before you leave. Number two, if you have any questions, there are people in this church that are already doing this, if it's elders, if it's other leaders, just ask questions. Please feel that you can ask questions at any point if you have a desire. You may even come up to somebody and say, "Are, are you discipling anyone? I regularly have people from A.A., Celebrate Recovery, Now Regeneration, which is some things that our churches are looking at that ask me to be their sponsor. And that's a pretty regular thing considering the, the past that I've had that you guys, most of you know about. So this is kind of the same thing. And then number three, please consider attending the workshop on the discipleship grid. If you want to write this down somewhere, put it in your phone, you can. It's Because I'm not going to promote this and advertise this. This is for people who... Are desperate to make disciples if there's four or five of us good if there's 30 of us great if there's nobody i'll spend the time with my family all right but this is time that i'm cutting out that if you're like i i, I want to make disciples i see this man i'm i'm 35 years old i'm, I'm 86 years old i'm a new christian like i want to do this the right way like i want to get started on the right foot Because if you're making disciples, your worship is going to be incredible. If you're making disciples, your preaching is going to be incredible. If you're making disciples, the outreach in the community is going to be fantastic. If you're making disciples, you're going to have a wonderful kids ministry, and you're going to have a wonderful student ministry, and you don't have to deal with all those people that come into the church and say, well, this is not modern enough, or this is not this enough, or they don't have enough of this. It creates people that are so hungry for Jesus they can't see anything else. And that's all that matters at the end of the day, and that's all we're going to care about, just so everyone knows. I'd like to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. There are just a few things that I want you to think about, you know, as, as, as we open up the altar and we continue to worship. This is a question that I have for you. What if, you've, what if you've maybe completely in an innocent way and completely unintentionally missed the Great Commission and missed this seeking and searching people out that you can disciple? What if you're in here today and you're just desperately hungry because of the struggles that you're going through because of the insecurities you may have I don't know enough I don't understand this enough I'd like to be made a disciple These are some of the things that I want you to think about today that I hope burden you as they've burdened me as a pastor as the pastor of this church So what I want to ask you to do is we pray today if you use the altar if you're praying from your seat I want to ask you just to pray a passion to make disciples and really at this point all you're doing is asking God to open up your heart so that you can see the need for this in your lives now there are others of you that are in here right now and I'm going to be transparent for just a minute I have been hit with a very heavy wave of depression this week and I I am struggling and it was hard for me to make it here this morning And there are others of you as we close out this 21 days that maybe because of what you've been doing and how you've been persisting, the enemy is all over you. Maybe you've not been through the 21 days, but the enemy is all over you. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your child. You just can't feel God right now. Like you don't even know if God is present because you feel like you can't feel anything. If I've experienced this the last few days, I feel like I may not be the only one in the room. We want to open this altar up for you. And then there may be some of you that would simply say, I just don't know Jesus. And this making disciples and this relationship that you're talking about, I know that needs to be real. And we want to invite you down today as well. Father, we lift you up. We thank you for just continuing to provide. Father, I thank you for um, Psalm 145, 16 through 18. God, the the passage that has got me through this week after uh, reading my stepmother's devotion in messy faith on day 19. God, pour our hearts out. Pour our hearts out for the lost. Pour our hearts out for the broken. Pour our hearts out for the poor. Pour our hearts out for those that don't know Jesus. And Father, turn us in to disciple makers. Father, pour us out on this altar in this time, Father, because we need you and nothing else. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.